Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starks. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time. And that whenever and wherever you happen to be on this crazy spinning planet, that you are able to tap into your particular spiritual gifts. Now, we all have the gifts available to us, all of them, but some of them we're going to be more interested in than others. For example, maybe your superpower is meditating and tapping into cosmic consciousness and downloading new truths and insights by the sheer force of your will. Maybe. Your power is to be very psychic and learn of the future. And you could see the future for the planet or yourself or others. Maybe you are a world walker and your gift is to talk to the dead, bring comfort to the living with messages from those who have past before us and maybe you have a different gift than that maybe it's psychometry you can pick up somebody's watch and tell them who gave it to them and what they were thinking when they were wearing it what was their job even or you could pick up any object and see all that there is to see about it there's many different psychic gifts that we can possibly have and I was almost bombarded, I'm going to say in a sweet way, bombarded by a bunch of questions from a young Hector who lives in Southgate, California. And he said that when he was little, a Catholic priest told his mother that he was destined for something great and he was asking me if I thought that was possible and of course I said yes yes absolutely I thought I was talking to a 30 year old man maybe even a 40 year old man and after quite a long conversation I asked how old are you by the way and he said I just turned 17 aww He's the same age as my kid, a little bit younger. So cool. There are so many people, young people waking up and it's been brought to my attention that while half of my listeners are men and half of my listeners are women. I mean, if I look at my Instagram 
uh, statistics, and if they're the same, I literally have exactly 50% of each gender listening, which is pretty cool to have that sort of a balance. Actually, I was pretty proud of that. And I noticed also that most of my listeners are in the greater Los Angeles area. So shout out to LA, my home, my home city (laughs) and New York city is my second level of listenership. So shout out to New York city, the big apple as well. I was answering Hector's questions and he kept asking about the third eye and he kept asking about what does he need to do to discover what his particular spiritual gifts are. And he kept asking about the third eye, like he'd ask several questions and then come back to the third eye. And I said, well, you keep asking me about the third eye. It's the thing you're most curious about. You know, you, you say the chakras and then you say the third eye. So I'm thinking it's possible that he has gifts that he has yet to unlock in the area of being psychic, maybe predicting the future or seeing people's pasts or something to do with, you know, having that deep and powerful spiritual intuition. And he asked me, how would I know about my psychic gifts or my spiritual gifts? And I said, oh, okay. So I started thinking about it, you guys. And I wanted to pass the information on to you. When I was young, I would ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask, ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. Dear God, won't you help me, please? Give me psychic gifts so I can see (laughs) all my future friends (laughs) and how the world ends and all the questions that I have for thee. (laughs) Okay, I didn't sing it, but that's how I felt. Constantly, I wanted to know and know and know and know and know and know the future, my future, my friend's future. You know, the future outcome of like an election or the future outcome of a law or whatever it was that was in my mind. That's what I did. I asked. I would lay in my bed at night and I would say, God, give me a dream about this. Give me a dream about this. I want to know about that. And after I became an adult, maybe I was about... 19 or 20 and I'm like oh yeah I used to ask God about psychic things and that's how I became psychic I kept asking and asking and asking and then in my 20s early 20s maybe when I was about possibly 19 if not right when I turned 20 I started asking about my past lives I want to know who I was in a past life God won't you please show me Who I was? What did I do? Where did I live in a past life? Who was I in a past life? Now, back then, I was really naive. I thought I only had one past life. Oh, my God. I've had dozens. And then I thought, 
I'm an old soul. That makes me something special. You know how the ego plays with you <laughs> when you're young. And so I went around like, ah, toity toity me. I was this and I was that and that was me. And I lived there. And then I read in a book where it said, don't ever be uppity about how many lives you've lived because it only means that it's taken you longer to learn your lessons because you're stubborn and you just don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, snap. <clears throat> I felt so burned in that moment. Such a good burn. <clears throat> burn so good, as they say. But it's true. I mean, you know, it's like you could be having hundreds of lives and maybe it's just that you're not learning the lessons fast enough. Other people might be here three lives and get it. You know, I doubt it, but I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Or maybe you just like coming back again and again and again and again to help people. But that's how I learned about my past lives. I asked and I asked and I asked and I asked. That's it. Ask. How do you ask? How do you connect with your higher self? Hector asked me. <laughs> And I said, well, you just say these words are very, very, very mystical and magical. And they're only contained in the greatest books of no. All you do is you say this out loud. I'd like to be connected to my higher self right now. Now, keep in mind, you're always and forever connected to your higher self. But when you say that, it somehow makes you believe it a little bit more. Just like when you say, I'd like to be connected to God right now. You're already connected to God, babe. You're part of God. There's no way you can be separate from God ever. Even if you don't even believe in God, you're still connected. If God ceased to be, so would you. I mean, if you cease to be, God does not cease to be, but you're only a spark of the greater divine. Super crazy, though, when you think about these things. It's so simple, and people make it so hard. You know, do I need to meditate for the next 20 years to learn these things and find my gifts? No. 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 As my friend in New Zealand says it. <laughs> I can't even say it right. I. It's like there's so many vowels in the word no if you're in New Zealand. It's hysterically funny to me, but I love that accent. I always wanted to learn it. It was one of the most complicated English accents there are. My friend was from Saudi Arabia and wanted to learn English. So he went to New Zealand to learn it because he thought the accent sounded cool. And he's right. It is cool. It's also impossible for other English speakers to even understand half the time. Anyway, I digress. If you ask and ask and ask about everything, this is what's going to start happening. You will start having the information come to you in your dreams. You'll be sitting around during the day thinking about nothing in particular when flash bang boom, the information will just suddenly be downloaded and you'll just know it. Your intuition will be peaked. And I mean P-I-Q-U-E-D, peaked sparked peaked 
and you'll go, oh, that's, that's, that, that worked it out. All right. Because the knowledge of the whole universe is inside you. You just have to unlock it. The way I chose to unlock it is to ask, ask God, ask my higher self. Hey God, I have a question for you. You can talk to God like he is your big brother, your best friend, your neighbor, you know, your little sister, your mom, whatever you can, you don't have to be formal and wear a specific outfit and go on Sunday and prostrate yourself in a church in front of hundreds of people. That's not what you need to do to ask. You don't need to have an altar set up with a bunch of fruit and rice and icons of saints and God knows what in order for God to hear you or get back to you. It is your divine right to have a conversation with the divine. Just like it is your right to be able to talk to your parent when you're a little child or whoever's raising you. You know, you have a right to have a conversation with the person who's giving you bread and a bed. So that's just how I do. I mean, I'm very simple in this way. I mean, I'm a complicated person, but in my methods, it might just be that I'm lazy but I don't see the need for all the outward crap. I never read once in the Bible that Jesus had an altar and had to talk to all the different directions and the four winds and the ancestors and the, you know, light all of his candles and say the certain, you know, prayers to a certain God or goddess on a certain day and corresponding with his outfit that had to be purple on a Thursday. You know, now I'm not knocking any of that stuff. If that stuff works for you, keep doing that. There's nothing wrong in any of that, but it's very, very complicated. Some people need complicated to get to the simple and some people need simple to get to the complicated. Think about that. Some people need the complicated things to get to the simple truths. Some people need just simple things to get to the complicated truths. It doesn't matter. We're all on the same path going in the same direction. It doesn't matter if you become a nun or a priest to learn about God, or if you go to India and meditate for six years, or if you go and live at the forbidden temple in the forbidden city with the Buddhist monks and learn Kung Fu with the Kung Fu masters. I mean, whatever your path to spirituality is, is going to be unique. Even if 20 people follow the same exact path as you, it's still going to be unique for you because you have your own way. You could be in a room full of 20 people meditating and maybe you're the only one wearing a specific set of beads or the only one that refuses to take off her sandals. Maybe you're the one that needed a tattoo on your wrist as a reminder. Everybody has a different way, but my way is simple and I'm going to share my, and that's why I'm sharing my way. You know, mine is simple because it's easy. It's, it's, it's also the lazy way, the lazy way to enlightenment. (laughs) I could write a book, the lazy way to enlightenment. Seriously. 
every night before I went to bed, you know, God, who was I? Where did I live in a past life? God, can you show me who I was in a past life? God, can you tell me how I knew uh, Bob in a past life? How did I know him before? God, can you show me what my karma is with Terrell in a past life? God, I have a question about my past life with my kids. Did I ever have past lives with my kids? God, who's my next soulmate I'm going to meet? God, will you show me who my next love is? What's the next karmic relationship I need to get out of the way? Can you show me a picture of his face? These are the kinds of questions. I'll go to bed asking God these questions. And God answers me in various ways. He answers me in my dreams. He answers me in flashes of intuition. He answers me by putting specific items in my path as I'm walking during the day, such as a white feather or a penny with a heads up means yes. A penny with the, with the tails up means no. If you ask a yes or a no question, um, clouds, cloud readings. My friend just sent me a picture of clouds he took outside of his house today and literally in the sky it said X-I-N-G the clouds formulated the word X-ing or crossing that's that's how people put the word the word crossing like you know school crossing they don't say C-R-O-S-S-I-N-G it's too long so they shorten it to an X ING crossing hilarious right well let's see what are you doing right now crossing <laughs> are you cross and then you have to figure out what does that mean am i crossing my wife is she is she going to be after me am i crossing my enemy did i do something to cross god or maybe i'm in the process of crossing over Maybe I'm getting ready to die. Maybe it means I'm getting ready to cross over into the fifth dimension. Maybe I'm crossing over a really particularly bad spot in my life and I'm almost done and I'm ready to cross over into a new life, a new beginning, a new wonderful time. But only you know what your symbols are. I could look at that and go crossing. Well, maybe that means someone's going to pass in your life. And... They're warning you. The spirits are warning you. Or maybe my friend will look at that and go, oh, yeah, it's so funny because I had an insight when I was standing at the school crossing this morning waiting to walk across the street. You know, I mean, like everyone has a different way of interpreting and only, you know, the correct meaning and way for you. I told you guys about that horrible dream I had repeating nightmare of being surrounded by hundreds of cats and I'd wake up in a panic I'd be sweating in the middle of the night going oh my god these cats these cats I love cats but I'm surrounded by hundreds of cats and I'm absolutely scared in my dream and I'm like that makes no sense a I would never have a million cats for pets I mean I might be a crazy cat lady when I'm old but I mean in my dream I was only in my 20s or something but what happened was it was a warning dream and well my my uh, first husband left the window open and the back door open to the backyard while his two cats were in heat and I woke up surrounded by hundreds of cats it was a prophetic dream probably a dream to remind me to shut all the doors and windows but I didn't know 
it was a prophetic dream. So I just was like, what does this mean? And I went to a bunch of different dream dictionaries. One said cats mean money. And I'm like, good, I accept that. One said cats mean bad luck and the devils are speaking to you. Well, I don't accept that. (laughs) And then I realized it depends on the person's uh, feelings of what cats mean or what cats are in their life. If 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 a dog lover wrote the dream dictionary, they're going to have nothing good to say about cats. But if somebody happens to be an incarnated Laren or one of the cat-headed extraterrestrials, then they're going to have something wonderful to say about cats. Well, this is a good omen. You're going to get a lot of good messages. You know? So only I knew what my dream interpretation was, and I could not interpret it until it actually happened. And I went, oh, yeah, it's that was a real dream. It was me knowing that I'm on the correct path in my life. Cause like four or five or six years after I started having this recurring nightmare, it actually happened. That was a sign from God about my future. And I wasn't sure what it was, but then after it happened, I'm like, okay, well that means I'm on the right path because I knew that was going to happen. I just didn't interpret it the right way. And all right, fine. My son has had dreams of the future that scared him. And he was like, you know, mom, we're, we're going to live through like really scary times. Like there's going to be like a global pandemic. There's going to be riots. And I'm like, well, you know, all right, we should be prepared. You're right. And he'd say, we need to be prepared. We need to have face masks. We need to have all these things like two weeks before the pandemic happened before anyone even knew about coronavirus, my son was already out buying things that he needed during the pandemic. He was like, I just have a feeling a couple, like a week or two before I bought a bunch of toilet paper. (laughs) And then the day of, I went out and I bought several things, toilet paper. And then like the next day they started announcing everyone's buying toilet paper. And I'm like, Oh my God. And a bunch of pasta. People are making fun of people buying pasta. And I had bought a bunch of pasta too. It keeps well for a long time rice beans and pasta we still have bags and bags of garbanzo beans and and peas we've made the best split pea soup we've been perfecting the recipe black beans spicy spicy black beans that are also sweet we add sugar or honey and my son did this today with ricotto peppers too many ricotto peppers oh my god so spicy yeah but i think my back hurts a little less so it's worth it but this is what I did, guys. I am like literally interested in light and enlightenment and spirituality and finding and knowing God. But at the same time, I'm lazy. I mean, I don't want to have to sew a specific outfit or dance under the moonlight with a coven of witches naked, also known as sky clad. I, I just don't. It's not me, you know. And some people love that. And that's how they get into the deep spirituality. For me, I just ask God a question and then I go to sleep the laziest way possible. But this is where I've gotten most of my answers. So I'm just telling you guys, because, you know, there's so many different ways of spirituality. And, you know, maybe you do a combination of two or three things. Maybe you find peace and solace in the Catholic Church. To be honest, I, I still do sometimes. Mostly, I find it very weird and very scary place. 
the more I become enlightened, the more I find most Catholic churches to be absolutely terrifying places of evil, actually. But that's probably because the last Catholic church I was in was actually supposedly built by the devil himself. The man tricked him. I did talk to you guys about that story before. And that's in Quito. It's the church built by Satan. But also, I've been in churches where there's piles and piles and piles of bones buried underneath. That just seems creepy as hell. And also, when you start looking at religion, honestly, you know, you start looking at it with a jaundiced eye instead of rose-colored glasses, you're going to start noticing things that will start to sit a little different with you and might not sit well. Like my boyfriend who was when I was like, I don't know, my teens and early 20s, my aunt died and she was a Carmelite nun in the Catholic church. And so we had to, we went to, I think, Forest Lawn, Forest Lawn Cemetery in Los Angeles. I think maybe where Marilyn Monroe was buried or might've been an offshoot, like a sister satellite, you know, site or something. But, um, I think it's the same exact one you know, same company at least. And so we went to the cemetery and there was a giant Catholic um, church right on site. And so I guess the guy performing the ceremony knew her. And so they're giving her, you know, the, the ceremony, the last rites, la la. And then they started talking about communion and anybody that wanted to come up and receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, my boyfriend. And I'm thinking that's so sacred. That's so sacred. I want to go and receive Holy Communion. And I was feeling so powerful in that moment, like pulled towards a part of my childhood in honor of my aunt. And I was getting ready to do it when my boyfriend turns to me and he said, oh my God, that's so evil. That's straight up cannibalism. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He said, the body of Christ, you're going to go eat Jesus. That's cannibalism. You're going to eat another human. I'm like, well, no, it's a wafer. And he's like, that's cannibalism. That's evil. Think about it before you do it. What does that really mean? And then he said, look, when you drink the blood of Jesus, what is that? That's vampirism. That's evil. And I was like, ah, and I did not receive communion that day because that frankly freaked me the hell out. But the more you ask, the more you're going to know. Keep asking, keep going, keep asking, keep going. That's my biggest, you know, that's my biggest advice. But the more you ask, the more you're going to get the teachers coming your way. People are going to come your way. And you have to discern whether these people are just, you know, crazy homeless people off their meds that think they know stuff. I've had a lot of crazy talks with homeless people. Some of them know what the hell they're talking about. They just fall in hard times. Some of them are homeless because they're absolutely crazy and they're batshit and they don't really have anything altogether, especially their mental state. So you have to be careful. You have to be careful. But, you know, a lot of people will just come up to you randomly, start talking to you about spiritual stuff. And, and then and the right people will come along and you're going to feel it in the right way. Like when the people come and talk to you and then you feel drained after they leave, don't listen to their advice because it drains you. 
They were energy vampires and they sucked part of your life force away. <laughs> and then you got to eat some turnips and cabbage to get it back. <laughs> Which are particularly good for your astral or etheric body. But you have to just be open to the experiences of everything see the ones that ring true the right books will fall into your lap people will start recommending the same book you'll you'll have like friends from three or four or five different walks of life or different you know parts of your life and you're gonna go what like you'll go to the gym and someone go hey have you ever read conversations of god you'll listen to me and i'm saying conversations of god changed my life and then you'll you'll like go to a restaurant and start talking to someone about spiritual stuff and they'll go yeah i'm reading this book um it's called conversations with god and you're like oh my god you know you go poking through your youtube next thing you know the movie conversations with god comes up or someone's doing an interview on tv and they'll say you know conversations with God was a really good book. It changed my life. And you're going to go, Oh my God, maybe I need to read this book. I mean, if you're like me, you need to hear it five or 600 times before you get it. And if you're maybe not as stubborn as I am, maybe two or three times will be sufficient. And you'll go, Oh, thank you God for that tip. You'll start seeing angel numbers everywhere. You'll start looking up what those mean. Angel Numbers is an app. There's a purple one and a pink one. I recommend the purpley pink one. It's nice. There's one that has like, I think it's like a pink angel with a purple background. It looks very, very gay. I mean, if <laughs> if you're hung up on color, you know, you might, if you're a macho man, that might not be your thing, but it doesn't matter. Honestly, I'm teasing about that. I mean, only, only people in the United States, like from my generation and older think, think like that and it's hilarious to me but <laughs> like I, everywhere else in the world men can wear pink and purple shirts and no one thinks anything of it but the way I grew up the family I grew up I mean watch the the tv show the kids are all right pretty much describes the atmosphere I grew up in <laughs> I mean it's like it's so narrow-minded and so very Catholic. That's how I grew up. Not Catholic. I'm not even Christian right now, but anymore. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so sorry about that. I hope that did not like offend anybody. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, but the angel numbers will come to you and then you're like, oh, all right. You'll wake up at a certain time and you'll notice, oh, that's a weird number. And then you'll be driving down the road and then it'll say the da 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 freeway is closed and it'll be the same number and you're like what <laughs> you know or or maybe they'll say the time now is da 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 you know what are all these things people pull in front of you and on their license plate that number you'll be scrolling scrolling through instagram same number comes up you're like what this is really strange why does that one keep coming up and then you go look it up and you're like, oh, wow, the angels say that they're with me and a big change is coming my way. Well, hell's bells, that's wonderful. Or heaven's bells, if you will. Anyway, I just wanted to share some of my lazy way to enlightenment, like the things that I've come across. You know, it's like 
you don't have to make it complicated if you don't want it that way. And you don't have to feel like you're never going to get it because you're too lazy to get it. That's not true. It is your divine birthright to have your spiritual gifts brought to you and to have the spiritual knowledge given to you. It is your absolute heritage. This is your inheritance from the kingdom of God to you as a son or a daughter of God. So all you need to do is ask. You know, if God was your father living in your house and raised you up and made your breakfast and drove you to school, would you have to build an altar to him and wear a specific outfit and dance in a certain way and chant in a certain way and have the right incense and the right mood lighting? No. You'd be like, Dad, can I borrow the car and can you tell me who my, like, soulmate is? You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's just why I look at God. I wanted to have a very simple, loving, beautiful, and open communication relationship with God. And that's why I do it the way I do it. Hey, God, I got a question for you. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What can you tell me about, like, you know, I've been, I haven't been feeling very good lately. Can you tell me if I have a parasite? Can you tell me if maybe my body's just detoxing itself. Can you tell me if somebody's hexed me or threw a curse my way that I need to, to throw off to feel better? Can you tell me if it's just ascension symptoms? You know, and, and I ask and I use muscle testing and I use divining to ask, to even ask these kinds of questions. Literally a conversation I had with God today. Use kinesiology, muscle testing. Yes or no, you know, questions. Is it a parasite? No. Was it a curse or hex? No. Is my body just detoxing? Yes. Is this part of ascension? Yes. Is it because I ate things I shouldn't have? No. Well, thank God it wasn't my fault. Exact exact line of questioning. I just had a conversation with God like an hour ago. I talked to God about the most mundane of things, but see, to God it's not boring because God created everything, even the mundane moments. So there you go, guys. All right, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the things we normally talk about. Let me get my uh, glasses here. We're going to go over these things we always go over every introduction. And afterwards, we're going to get into the next lesson of practical mind reading. Speaking of spiritual gifts, it's a book written in 1907 by William Walker Atkinson. It's a pretty cool book so far. It's He has some really crazy ideas and wild, elaborate ways to display your ability of mind reading to others to make them excited about the topic. I like it. It's very strange. It's a totally different way of thinking. Back in the Victorian era, isn't it? Totally different than today. It's not as straightforward as the way my approach is, but I appreciate it because it's different and it will work for sure. Absolutely. You can modify it more to modern times, but I have a feeling this information is really, really good. So we're going to keep going in the book. We only have a few more weeks left, like what, two or three weeks left, I think. All right, let's go over to spaceweather.com. The current solar wind conditions is such the speed is 
429 kilometers per second. Now, this is like over 100 from last week. Solar wind speed has picked up. And also, we have sunspot number 17 of the new solar wind cycle. Or, I'm sorry, sunspot cycle. Excuse me. Getting ahead of myself, the word solar wind. But this the sunspot cycle, we're in the new one. It's a sun cycle, I think it's 25. And this one is really replete with, uh, or crackling, as they say, with B-class solar flares. So we're going to read a little article right now. First of all, the solar wind is here, by the way. Today, we received a stream of solar wind that did brush its magnetic field. You might want to check it out on YouTube for Aurora Borealis because there is a northern hole in the sun's atmosphere in which the gaseous material has flowed through straight towards Earth, and it did hit us. So we're probably getting all kinds of upgrades, light codes, and downloads today. But as they say on spaceweather.com, high-latitude sky watchers should be alert for auroras, especially in the southern hemisphere where waxing autumn darkness favors visibility, which is awesome. All right, B-class solar flare, the new sun cycle, or cycle sunspot, AR2765, or I mean, sorry, 2765, is crackling, as they say, with B-class solar flares. NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory captured the latest explosion. You could look at this picture on spaceweather.com. To be honest with you, it looks to me like a little child playing with a sparker, a sparker, a sparkler on the 4th of July. It's a super cute picture. Well, uh, can there be a cute picture of the sun? Well, in my opinion, I say yes, but you know, I'm eccentric as fuck, so I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> B-class solar flares are considered to be relatively minor. But consider this, they say on spaceweather.com. A typical B-class solar flare does release as much energy as 100 million World War II atomic bombs. 100 million of those. Only on the sun, which is in itself a 10 to the 27th power ton self-contained nuclear explosion would such a blast be considered uh, quote-unquote minor in fact B flares can hurl CMEs that's coronal mass ejections towards earth and spark auroras probably not this time though they say initial movies of this explosion suggests that there is absolutely no debris headed our way. Now, if you're interested in noctilucent clouds, they are going to be spread to the mid-latitudes across the Arctic Circle and descending to the mid-latitudes, basically. And it's during the morning twilight, you'll get to see it, and it's very bright, like, beautiful blue-green clouds, and they seem to glow. Noctilucent. It's like light during the night basically so um, they are seeded by meteoroids apparently that float at the edge of space 80 kilometers above the ground and they are Earth's highest clouds 
I would like to be on Earth's highest cloud right now, but I got a show to do. Okay. <laughs> the clouds from when summertime wisps of water vapor rise up to the mesosphere that allow water to crystallize around specks of meteor smoke. So last summer, noctilucent clouds spread as far south as Los Angeles and Las Vegas, which set records for low-latitude sightings. And it might happen again this summer, they say. The clouds are heading south and already within two degrees of Seattle in the continental USA. When it, obviously, you guys, the season's only getting started, so pay attention to the twilight hours. Now, let's see. We do have Ulu, Finland, has been reporting that the neutron counts in the atmosphere have been very high. In fact, we've had a 0.2% change rise and so 10.1% of the space age average today of the neutron counts now that sounds strange what does that mean it means basically that's how they're able to measure the plasma and various cosmic radiations bombarding earth right now and why this is important is that we do have a magnetosphere that's cracked and so not only do we get beautiful auroras from this but also it could be kind of hectic for us energetically. So as well as with electronics, they can go haywire. Um, oh yeah. There's one more thing on this page after report. According to NASA's all sky cameras and their all sky fireball network over the United States on June 8th, the network reported five fireballs crazy there's even one but five is kind of low for the part of the universe that our solar system is currently passing through all right so schumann resonance from disclosurenews.it for today the highest number is pretty much 45 and then they had another blast of 37 it's high but not you know terribly high yesterday was up to 60 a lot of people were all crazy excited about that I saw a lot of postings on Instagram and the like even on YouTube and I just kind of always crack up Ooh, it was 45 oh my god it was 60 oh my god because you guys check out these numbers they're always so much crazier <laughs> and there's still Hertz frequency it's the same form of measurement now, here we go. Now, we are two days behind, so keep that in mind. I don't know why. HeartMath.org does not have their shy together quite yet. <laughs> so, all their reports every day are like two days old. But, you know, let's see what's going on. Saturday, on June 6th, of course, at 20 hundred hours... <laughs> 20 o'clock. I don't even know how to say this. 20 bells if you're in the Navy, which chances are if you're listening to this or not. Anyway, 20, which is basically 8 o'clock at night. This is where we were at on Saturday. Northland. No, I'm lying. Not Northland. New Zealand. California is the other blue one. California was at 120 hertz frequency. Again, this is a Schumann resonance scale. And 
Hopuf, Saudi Arabia, they went back down to zero. Lithuania went up to 158 hertz frequency. And Alberta, Canada, not to be outdone by anyone, went up to 291 hertz frequency on the Schumann resonance scale. Northland, New Zealand was at 67 hertz frequency. And Hulului, South Africa was at 161 hertz frequency. So those are huge numbers compared to the other website. The other website, they're bragging when it's like 60. It's like, that's high for where you are. But that's just another any day of the week on heartmath.org. That's literally the lowest number besides zero is 67. And then it hops up to 120. So, I mean, heartmath.org, it's the same form of measurement. It's just that they look at this from many different angles, very scientifically from different cities. Disclosurenews.it can only really speak to what they're going, what they've got going on in their own city. All right, I'm going to check and make sure I still have, yeah, we do, still have some time on the clock here. So we're going to go ahead and read our Course in Miracles lesson today. It's lesson 307, which can be found at ACIM.org, which happens to be the Foundation for Inner Pieces website, not pieces, but piece, (laughs) P-E-A-C-E. So lesson 307 is this conflicting wishes cannot be my will. Conflicting wishes cannot be my will. Father, your will is mine and only that there is no other will for me to have. Let me not try to make another will for it is senseless and will cause me pain. Your will alone can bring me happiness, and only yours exists. If I would have what only you can give, I must accept your will for me and enter into peace where conflict is impossible. Your son is one with you in being and in will, and nothing contradicts the holy truth that I remain as you created me. And with this prayer, we enter silently into a state where conflict cannot come because we join our holy will with God's in recognition that they are the same. Now, it's not your normal will. It's your holy will that is the same. Conflicting wishes cannot be my will. Again, that's lesson 307 at ACIM.org. So there you have it. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back after this very small message, we're going to be reading the next lesson in Practical Mind Reading by William Walker Atkinson right after this.
Alright guys, so we're going to get right into Lesson 6 of Practical Mind Reading by William Walker Atkinson. This is written in 1907, and basically that makes it, what, 113 years old? 113 years ago, they had kind of a different idea of how things should be. But um, it's still fascinating and interesting and applicable today. Now... William Walker Atkinson, in his earlier days, went by Swami Panchadasi. That was his pseudonym because he did not want anyone in his business or in his law practice to know that he wrote about new thought and spiritual ideas. I don't know if it was considered unprofessional or basically too (laughs) woo-woo to be a man of the law. But sometimes you'll find books by Swami Panchadasi and sometimes they'll be by William Walker Atkinson. And I don't know if it has to do with the subject matter or the year he wrote it, but I just wanted to point that out because it's kind of interesting. But they are one and the same if you come across both these authors, you know, now that you know the secret, pretty cool, right? All right. So here we go. Um, we're already on lesson six and there's lesson, there's eight lessons. So we're coming to the final stretch here. After this week, we'll only have two more weeks of this book. And after that, I'll try to find a better, not a better book, a, a new book, a, a different book, a different topic, maybe. But it's also going to be spiritual, just like this one. But anyway, here we go. Lesson six, difficult demonstrations. We shall now direct your attention to a class of demonstrations of a rather more complicated order than those related in the last chapter. But even these difficult feats may be rendered comparatively easy of accomplishment by careful practice and development of receptivity. Preliminaries. In these experiments or demonstrations, the transmitter stands by your left side, you grasping the fingers of his right hand in your left hand and holding as in the case of the former experiments, i.e. either with his hand pressed against your head or else held up and out. I'm sorry, held out and up. I guess it's the same. I read it. I totally saw it backwards. Dyslexia much? All right. Anyway, or else his hand held out and up as before described. You receive the impressions in the same way. The following demonstrations may be performed after a little private practice. So as to be shown at a public performance almost as easily as the simpler feats heretofore described. Discovering the card. Demonstration one. Spread a number of cards over the table, then retiring from the room, have the audience select one card of the number, which the transmitter must be sure to remember distinctly. That is... The transmitter should remember just where the card is, the position being the important feature rather than the name of 
the card. Then, taking the transmitter's hand as above described, you should move your right hand to and fro over the table, moving it backwards and forwards and in circles. You will soon find that this feat closely resembles the one of the last chapter in which you find small objects, the pinhole, etc. You will soon find that the impressions tend to center over a certain spot on the table. Begin to lessen your circles and hand movements until you gradually center over this spot. Then slowly lower your fingers until you touch the card resting on the said spot when you will be sure that you are right when you must pick up the card and exhibit it to the audience. The same indications mentioned in the feats of the last chapter will be felt by you. You will feel the no-no impression when you are wrong and the that's right impression when you are moving in the right direction until at last you will distinctly feel the relaxation of the mental urge which you will have learned to translate into right you are when you finally touch the right card. This feat is really no more difficult than the one in which the small object is found and we have included it in the list of difficult demonstrations simply because it is practically a connecting link between the two classes of demonstrations as you will see as we proceed. The checker move. (laughs) Demonstration two. This is akin to the last experiment. Have a checkerboard arranged by some of the audience who understands the game. Then let someone decide on the next move. Be sure that the transmitter thoroughly understands the piece to be moved as well as the place to where it is to be moved. Then proceeding as above indicated, first find the piece to be moved and then move it to the proper place. This feat consists of two parts. You will notice the finding of the piece is like the finding of the card. Then with the piece grasped between your thumb and your forefinger, make a small circular and backward and forward movement until you feel the mental impression of there. When you will place your piece directly on the spot. This may seem difficult and appears so to the audience, but you will find by a little private practice that it is really as easily performed as some of the simpler tests. The Game of Cards Demonstration 3 Similar to the above is the feat known as the Game of Cards. Two players sit opposite each other at a table, having dealt themselves two hands of Okay, I don't even know this word. Euchre? E-U-C-H-R-E? This sounds like a 
game that they played 113 years ago. <laughs> Euchre, Euchre. I mean, he couldn't have said pinochle. <laughs> go fish. Maybe they didn't have go fish 113 years ago. Euchre. Do you guys, have you ever heard of that game? All right, we're going to move on. All right. So basically we'll start over with that sentence. Two players sit opposite each other at a table, having dealt themselves two hands of Euchre. Have the transmitter lead you behind the first player and standing there, have the player silently point out the card he wishes to lead to the transmitter. The transmitter then should concentrate his mind on the card and you will find it in the usual manner and having found it will play it on the table. Then leading you around to the other player the transmitter repeats the process and you will find and play the card. Then back to the first play and repeat. Then alternate between the players in the same manner until you have played out the game. This may be improved upon by the transmitter thinking of which player has won the trick. When you will push the cards over to the winner having discovered the direction in the usual manner. This feat is very effective indeed when properly performed. Okay, and Elena's notation of this is, and also properly understood of the game of Euchre. If you understand that game, then you'll know what the hell's going on with that description. <laughs> E-U-C-H-R-E. Euchre? Euchre? Yucker. Yucra. <laughs> I don't know. Yokra. <laughs> okra. Maybe it's okra. Oh, that'd be a weird. Okay, I'm moving right on. Okay. <laughs> the mapped out trip. That yeah, sounds like the last time I did acid. Okay. <laughs> Demonstration four. Have a map laid open on the table. And have the audience decide upon a trip between two points, either by rail or by water. Then returning to the room, stand as above described. With your forefinger, find the place from which the trip starts. Then move slowly along the selected course in the same manner in which the checker game was played, passing along the chosen route until the end is reached. These feats are all really variations of the one principle. The pack of cards. Demonstration five. This is a very effective feat and requires some little skill and practice. But there is no reason why any careful, patient, and persistent student should not be able to master it. It consists in the audience selecting any given card from the pack and then replacing it with the others, being sure that the transmitter is familiar with the card chosen and knows enough about cards to recognize it when he sees it again. Then the pack of cards should be placed on the table face up. Returning to the room, you take the transmitter's hand as usual 
and with your right hand you pick off the cards from the pack slowly and one by one. As you pick up each card, slowly weigh it in your hand, so to speak, and then place it aside if you receive no stop orders from the mind of the transmitter. Having previously practiced this feat in private, you will have learned that peculiar heavier sensation that comes to you when you lift the right card from the pack. So that when you finally reach it, you will know it. We cannot describe just what this sensation will feel like. You must learn by actually experiencing it in private practice. We advise you to diligently practice this feat in private for it is wonderfully effective. You will find that after a bit of practice, you will be able to get the heavy feeling when you lift up and weigh the right card. You should perform this feat slowly and carefully, shaking your head no, just before you discard a card. If by the lack of concentration of the transmitter, you fail to feel the heavy feeling when you pick up the right card, the shake of your head will be apt to arouse him to exert his will more actively, and you will receive the hold on impulse immediately. Do not be in too much of a hurry to discard, but make several feints at it before finally letting go. This feat may be improved by having the audience select a poker hand, such as a flush or a straight or a three of a kind, a full house, etc., etc., and having you find the hand one card at a time. This latter is a fine effect and always brings down the house, but be sure that your transmitter really knows and really remembers the cards, else the feet will fail, of course. He must remember each card and recognize it when it appears face up on the pack before you as you proceed with the discarding. Never attempt this feat in public without previous careful private practice, for it requires the most delicate perception and skill. If you find that you cannot master it to your satisfaction, after sufficient practice, you may try it by the simpler method given at the conclusion of this lesson. All right, I just noticed something that I never noticed before. Discarding, discarding, D-I-S-C-A-R-D-I-N-G. That means to remove a card, dis, you're dissing a card. (laughs) you're disrespecting card no you're not it (laughs) discarding I never got that before there's no such thing as carding oh wait there is asking for someone for their ID you're carding them that's really strange anyway I love words sometimes okay so Hold on, guys. I had to make sure there's nothing crawling on my foot. No, indeed. It's just kundalini energy. Oh, my God. With this energy already. The cosmic energy. I'm sitting on my couch. 
my new couch, my new place. It's not my couch. It's the couch of the owner of the place. And I have all these pillows covering me because it is so freaking cold here. Absolutely incredibly cold. My son found our Christmas lights and put them out on the patio. They're so beautiful. It makes it a very serene space. It's wonderful to see it. Look out the window and see it while I'm seeing here reading to you guys. But oh my god, it's so freaking cold. I didn't realize it could be so cold at 8,400 feet above sea level. Uh, in the apartments I've been living in, you know, when you're surrounded by other apartments and everyone else probably has heaters, you know, you have all that insulation. You just don't think about it. In my last place, my windows have holes in them, and I still wasn't as cold as I am now. But we have three stories, and our first floor is right on the ground. I think that makes a difference. Plus, we have a running river right behind our house. I think that that also brings some coolness in all the trees. Anyway, I'm sitting here like with a hoodie on, up, covering my head, covering my chest, covering my body with all these pillows. All right. (laughs) All right. Let's get back into the book. Okay. The chosen word in the book. Oh my God. You know, I saw a lady do this once at the magic castle it blew my mind I thought for sure the guy's in collusion with her alright the chosen word in the book demonstration 6 like the last feat this is a complex and difficult one but one that always arouses enthusiasm in an audience when well performed it will repay you for the private practice that you will have to employ upon it before you produce it in public the feat consists of the audience hold on I'm looking to make sure I'm into this yeah okay (laughs) I want to make sure I'm still recording all right so the feat consists of the audience selecting a book from a pile or a bookshelf or a bookcase etc then a given page is chosen a given page is chosen then a line of printed matter on that page and then a word in that line it is well to have the transmitter draw a pencil circle around the chosen word so that he may be sure to remember it later The book is then replaced on the shelf. Then returning to the room, you first find the book by the methods already given in previous feats. Then laying it flat on the table, you should begin to slowly and deliberately pick each leaf up separately. Uh, That means page of the book. That's a weird word. Leaf. What were books made out of in 1907? (laughs) leaf weird okay (laughs) pick each leaf up separately this part of the feet is almost identical with the last one in which you picked up the cards from the pack when you get the proper impression you should announce that you have found the leaf 
You might want to update that to the word page in real life. I mean, in 2020 life. Anyway, the cho- so, so if satisfied that you are right, ascertain upon which side of, okay, I'm sorry. When you get the proper impression, you should announce that you have found the leaf, i.e. page. If satisfied that you are right, ascertain upon which side of the leaf the chosen page is. This can be done by pressing the leaf to the right or the left in succession until you get the right impression as to which way to press down. Pass your finger slowly down and pass over the page several times until you get the impression of a center. This center will be the chosen line. Then by passing the finger slowly along the line, you will discover the word when you reach it. This is a ticklish feat, but it may be mastered by practice. In fact, some people have found it almost as simple as some of the easier feats, while others require careful practice with it. Do not be discouraged if you do not succeed in at first trial, even in public, but try again and after a bit you will seem to get the knack all at once and thereafter will have but little trouble in making the demonstration. If you find that you do not meet with a desired degree of success in this feat, try it by the simpler method given at the last part of last of this part of the book, but do not give it up without the proper practice. If you have carefully performed the previous feats, you should have so developed yourself by this time that you should have no special difficulty in the, in this feat. Blackboard demonstrations. The following feats may be performed either upon a large blackboard hanging from a wall or upon a large sheet of cardboard or stiff paper spread upon the table. If the blackboard is used, you should stand before it, the transmitter standing in the usual position. If the table is used, you should stand before it, the transmitter in his usual place. Drawing the chosen figure. Demonstration 7. Have the audience select a number and think intently of it. Impress upon the transmitter that is to think of the shape of the figure instead of merely remembering its name. For instance, if the figure 8 is thought of, the transmitter should think of the shape of the figure and not of the word 8. Then begin to circle your hand around over the blackboard just as you did when finding the place of the beginning of the trip of the demonstration mentioned a few minutes ago. Then bring your pencil or chalk to a starting point which you will soon perceive. Then hold your fingers pressing lightly forward and impart to your hand a trembling vibratory motion as if in hesitation regarding the next movement, saying at the same time to your transmitter, will hard now, will the direction to me. So basically will hard 
just just like focus intensely right and you will begin soon to get an impression of right or left or down as the case may be which you should follow slowly be slow about it for if the impression is not right you will soon be checked up fence around a little until you begin to get the impressions clearly you will find that the principal trouble is at the start for once you are started on the right track your transmitters will will be freely employed and he will pour the impressions into you let him feel that it is his will that he is really doing the work that is really doing the work and he will exert it freely once started these drawing feats are easily performed the trouble being with the start you should practice this feat frequently in private before attempting it in a public demonstration it is very effective checking my time here um, all right I think that's nope Oh yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> I have like four like messages and they all say different minutes and I'm like, wait a minute, which one? All right, so we're 18 minutes into this section. I paused it earlier, so six plus 18. All right, 20 something minutes, got it. All right, okay, <laughs> the lady's age. Oh, this one sounds like a dangerous one, doesn't it? <laughs> Demonstration seven. Dude, this is demonstration eight and it's written wrong. Yeah, because demonstration seven was drawing the chosen figure. All right, we're just going to call this demonstration eight because that's where we're at, even though it says seven in the book. The Ladies' Age Demonstration Eight. This is a variation of the above feat. A lady in the audience is asked to whisper her age in the ear of the transmitter and you are to draw it on the board or paper. The feat is performed precisely in the manner described above, the transmitter being cautioned to think of but one figure at a time during the drawing. The banknote test demonstration nine akin to the last two feats it is is the reading of the number of a banknote held in the hand of the transmitter it is performed in precisely the same manner as the preceding feat be sure to have the transmitter understand that he is to think of but one figure at a time until it is drawn and then the next and so on okay so they don't mean like 5 or 10 or 20 or 50 they don't mean the, like the amount or denomination of the money they mean I think the I mean I'm looking to make sure the number of a banknote that I think that is the serial number because they're all different that is really tra- that's crazy in fact what they could do is, what you can do is have um, 
the transmitter get somebody from the audience to volunteer a bill that they brought with them so that the person doing the mentalist acts, the you know, mind reading, they're not going to be um, influenced by like a dollar bill that was in their house earlier that day, right? Crazy. That's a crazy idea. Okay. The watch number test, demonstration 10. The feat of reading and drawing the number of a person's watch is a variation of the last mentioned demonstration and is performed in precisely the same way. The geometrical figure test, demonstration 11. Have the audience select some simple geometrical figure, such as a square, triangle, circle, a right angle, etc., and proceed to draw it in the same way as it figures in the demonstrations just described. Have the transmitter hold the figure in his mind and mentally draw it as you proceed. A little private practice will enable you to draw these figures easily. And in fact, they really are simpler than numbers, although more startlingly effective at times. More startlingly. Startling. What? Startling. Startlingly. Like startling, more startlingly effective at times. It's a really hard word to say. Seriously, guys, say it five times fast. Pause this and say it five times in a row. See if you can do it. Probably you could do it better than me, but it's still a weird word, right? Okay. Drawing pictures. Demonstration 12. You know what? Did you do that again? No, okay, we're fine. So, demonstration 12. The same principle described in the above-mentioned test may be extended to apply to the drawing of simple pictures, such as the outline figure of a pig. How is that simple? I mean, I was thinking a house or, you know, <laughs> the way a kindergartner would draw it. Anyway, the copy is placed on the table or blackboard so that the transmitter may easily refer to it and then you proceed on as in the feats mentioned above. Practice this until you get it down fine. The hidden name. This is demonstration 13. The same principle may be extended to the writing down of a name of a person or a town, etc. Previously chosen by the audience. Draw in large letters so that the eye of the transmitter may easily follow you each step. The underlying rule. In all of the drawing demonstrations, you should remember the primary principle, i.e. follow the line of the least mental resistance and the will of the transmitter will invariably lead you to the right decision. The simpler method. A simpler method of performing the feats and demonstrations, which we have styled the more difficult feats, is that of having the transmitter stand by your right side, turning towards you and placing his right hand over yours, the tips of his fingers resting on your fingers between your large knuckles and first joints. Instead of standing on your left side with his fingers grasped in your left hand 
as heretofore mentioned. This method is not nearly so good so far as appearances go. But for some critical members of the audience might object that he was in confederacy with you and really helping you to draw. But it is highly effective so far as simplifying the feet is concerned. His fingertips with their nervous matter aroused into activity with nervous energy or magnetism and your hand acts almost automatically. The motion of the receiver's hand and fingers under this method becomes almost like the motion of a planchette and often writes and draws the numbers, figures, letters, etc. so easily and smoothly that they seem to be fairly running away from the mind of the performer. You should at least familiarize yourself with this method so as to be able to use it in emergencies or in the case of a poor transmitter or else in the case of a more delicate and complex test. If you neglect this method, you will have failed to acquaint yourself with one of the more startling features of contact mind reading, which so far touches that the higher phenomenon that it is closely akin to is what is known as automatic writing. In fact, if you are disposed and are naturally perceptive and sensitive to impressions, you may even write a letter through your will of a good transmitter by this method. By all means, make yourself acquainted with its possibilities and its phenomena. We now pass on to a consideration of the more sensational feats. That will be the conclusion of today's lesson. We'll be back next Monday with lesson seven on sensational feats. I'm going to stop there because you have enough to think about as it is with this. Lots of information, right? Lots of things to practice. It's pretty exciting, this practical mind reading idea. I love that. So, all right. Um, here we go. We have 34 minutes done of this part. So I was going to talk to you guys about some things that are going on. Um, at least weird things have been going on with me in my life. And I feel like it's probably something that's going on around the globe. And I don't necessarily believe it's to do with like the Ascension, even though everything in our world is for our own, uh, spiritual growth. Um, I've had a series of really odd things happen in the past week. And it just feels like there is an energy of complete and total chaos and pandemonium going on around the globe right now. Now, granted, the Black Lives Matter movement is absolutely necessary, but why is it necessary? It's necessary because of, well, obviously, racism and systemic, systematic 
racism that is institutionalized and taught to police through various uh, means, you know, like subtly or, you know, one cop reacts scared of a black person, then it's a subconscious transmitted, almost like practical mind reading, transmitted to the partner and then the partner picks up on it. And being around that energy enough, you start to get it. So I don't want to go into that necessarily, but the whole thing with the, I mean, they've taken down statues in almost seven cities, I think, from around the globe of slave traders and, you know, the slavers or the um, racist people that were absolutely known to be racist. Yes, I say yes to this. But it's crazy, like the energy of that, just like randomly taking down a bunch of statues all over the world is a little strange, right? Like, I mean, I'm grateful that they're doing I'm glad they're doing it because of what it stands for. And this is time. But I mean, it just seems like absolute chaos to me. And I feel like everyone's going through a little bit of this chaos. And I'm going to tell you what I mean. Okay, so, well, you know, we move into this house, and I told you that we didn't have internet, and we waited for the internet guys to get here. And before I even said yes to this house, I was asking about the internet. And we had the guys come out. They did everything. Everything's great. Signed the contract. Bada boom, bada bing. Everything's going to be great. He takes the equipment to the third floor. And wah, wah, sorry. There is trees in the way of our satellite dish and our mountain. So we don't have any signal through the trees. Oh, well. Blew my mind. I was like, what? It seemed like a very old-fashioned way to do internet, but okay. And the next one I couldn't do because I didn't have the right bank account i.e. an Ecuadorian bank account. And so the third one is the government. And so that's like three weeks of waiting. It's already been three weeks of waiting. That's one thing. So I'm still like leaning against a common wall I share with a neighbor while using her internet. Which if I moved two feet to the left of me right now, I wouldn't get a signal and you guys wouldn't even hear this. So it's kind of chaotic to have to lean up against this one wall. Like if I'm in my bedroom on the third floor, I have to be like right next to the wall. It's completely crazy. Also, uh, when I had the check, well, I paid my landlady through PayPal because PayPal on the website claims everyone gets PayPal except for like three or four, you know, war-torn or ravaged countries by terrorism for whatever reason they don't service those countries okay whatever fine weird but okay so everything we thought was fine and next thing I know the guy's like well I don't have a bank account in the U.S. I can't get this money I can't give you this money and the landlady's like what that was her best friend's PayPal account that's how I paid my rent and my was like my deposit to live here. I just moved here. Imagine the impression this is making, right? I talk her into PayPal and they say, well, we're going to send a check. Don't worry. 
you'll get it in 7 to 14 business days. It's been like three and a half weeks and she still doesn't have the check. I have proof I paid, but she doesn't have the check. It's not enough to have proof. She actually needs a piece of paper to put in the bank so that she could, you know, pay her bills. So that's another kind of chaotic crap that thing that happened. And then, um, what else? Uh, well, oh yeah. And then my, my bank card, the reason why I needed to pay via PayPal was that my bank card arrived into town. A security guard said one sentence. They don't live here anymore. And the DHL person said, okay. And took my card back to only God knows where because my bank never received it. So what did they do? Try to unlock it? Did they destroy it? Is it going to be stuck in their offices forever? That's crazy. And my friend knew that I was going to come to get another package. So just to say randomly, they don't live here anymore. I told him why. I had to receive mail in my old apartment building. It's because in the place I was living in, I couldn't get a card. I couldn't get anything delivered because it would be stolen or never delivered. So he knew it was for safety. He was a, he was an armed security guard living in my old building where I had rented a penthouse suite. So there was that. Now it was chaotic. So I had to get a brand new card sent my way. And that took another three weeks. And it was just like, I was down to my, I would have to save my last $10, maybe my last $20 when my bank card, my bank card finally arrived. And we got money out of the bank. and We've been just paying local people for food. But there's some things I needed, like coconut oil, things that people don't sell in the normal stores here, the little tiny monpa outfits. And so I decided to go through this app, which I've ordered through three or four times. So I went to order food and it, it just, they randomly wouldn't let me pay with my card. And I'm like, well, I've gotten money out of the bank. So, I mean, this is crazy. Obviously, the card works. It's my brand new card. I went through a hell of a lot to get this card mailed from North America to South America. So, I'm like, that's weird. The payment didn't go through. Whatever. Try again. Tried again, and the payment didn't go through again. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not quite... Maybe I entered the number of the card wrong. Well, that's very possible. You know, I'm dyslexic and all these crazy retrogrades getting ready to happen. No problem. So then I sat there just another five or ten minutes contemplating why is this happening. All of a sudden I get an email from my bank saying unusual activity has been suspected. And so the last two transactions have been canceled. I'm like, those assholes. I'm sorry, I've been banking with your bank for 15 years. I don't think the paying a grocery store is unusual activity. Call me effing crazy, but I've been buying groceries 
you know, with this bank card or, you know, bank card from my bank, one or another, you know, since 2005, 15 years. What the hell? That's chaotic. That's pandemonium. You know? Like, what? I can't buy groceries now? What the hell? At the at the ATM, when my son went to get money out of the ATM with my card, suddenly nobody can have $300. You can only get $200 out. Well, every time I get money out of the bank, it's $350 from my bank and like $1.50 from their bank. That's $5. Plus it's $5 to get to the mall and $5 to get back. It's $15 for me to get money out of the ATM. It's like totally crazy. So that makes it a lot more of a pain in the ass. Now that suddenly because of quarantine, no one can get $300 out of the ATM. People are only allowed to get, like they don't want people to hoard money. Is that it? Hoarding money? Are they afraid of a run on the bank so you can only get $200 out a day? It's really crazy. So that was complete and total chaotic thing that happened. Um, The dog's running in and out. I think that's normal for here. But for me, that's kind of a chaotic thing. Lots of chaos. And the dogs are, one is white and one is black. And they're brother and sister. Very yin and yang. There's some kind of strange message in this. But, um, and the dogs are, they're like wolf dogs and really, really, really smart. You could talk to them in either English or Spanish. They understand everything that you say. Like yesterday, Lobo was in here and I said, isn't it weird he refuses to look me in the eye? I wonder if he's scared of me. And I feel bad about that. So immediately he snaps his head and stares me in the eyes. And he kept holding my stare for like a minute or a minute and a half. I'm like, oh my God. That was weird. That was a weird thing. <clears throat> I mean, there's always weird things around us. I mean, we've been seeing fairies and we've had beings in our home the past week or so. My son's seen a couple shadow people. We both have seen patterns of things that played out here before. And we've gotten rid of those energies. You know, anything negative, we've gotten rid of them. So those are kind of some things. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the internet started cutting out for like an hour to up to five hours at a time. That was chaotic. Then that stopped. And then the water started, stopped cutting or started cutting out. So we would have normal water and everything's fine. And all of a sudden, every time I went to take a shower, the water in the shower would be ice cold. So damn it, put my towel back on the rack, go get dressed again and just say, screw it. I'll have a shower later or tomorrow. And every time I went to my bathroom for like five or six days, every single time I went to the bathroom with the intent of getting a shower, turn on the water, they'd be like, no water, very low water pressure, but definitely no, no, uh, hot water whatsoever. And then the last two days, Every time I'm in my bathroom and I am in a hurry to do something like finish the rest of my show, or if I'm in the middle of watching 
something with my son, although we haven't watched anything in three days together, but we've been really busy with getting our stuff demolded. <laughs> That's chaotic too. That's chaotic. Like the random reason why we had to leave is one day I woke up and my whole floor was covered in mold. It was like, what the actual hell right now? So now I had to pay $160 to get a lamp that I plug into the wall that puts ozone and UV light. It's deadly. We call it the cosmic death ray. And we have it in our, what we call the clean room, which is a very small social bathroom. We put all of our stuff in there and we'll run this cosmic death ray for two or three hours, take all the stuff out, and then we have to wash it down, scrub it up, let it dry and then we could take it to our rooms and if we feel itchy at all while we're in the rooms we think the mold is still there so we have to take all the stuff from the day before downstairs and start the process again that's motherfucking chaotic so that's a chaotic thing that we've been going through um and then tonight the hot water comes when I don't need it necessarily just you know, in the bathroom for five minutes, wash my hands, but not water works. Wait, what? And at the break a few minutes ago, less than an hour ago, when I said I was going to take a break and I went upstairs to go to the bathroom and wash my hands, guess what? All of a sudden, the water is making this sound like there's holes or bubbles in the line. Not holes, but like, you know, holes in the water. <laughs> it sounds weird, but I sound like I'm a freaking acid right now holes in the water <laughs> but when I turn the line it's like it's it's coming the water's coming out and fits and starts as if we have not had water for hours and then we turned it back on and yet we have had water so weird crap like this is happening um ordered my so okay I had to tell my bank it's okay it chilled the hell out it's okay if I buy groceries with my own money. <laughs> you know. So I had to get the stuff straightened up at the bank. So I get back to the app. And they're like, Okay, yeah, your order just went through. Everything's fine. Okay, fine. Great. And they said, Your order will be here between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Great. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm assigned a shopper. About 3.30, I'm assigned a shopper. So, already the groceries are late. <laughs> Being assigned a shopper means, you know, he's about to go shopping. So, anyway, he goes shopping. And I quickly had to scramble to get his WhatsApp. Because they send the guy's name and phone number. And I'm hoping to God everyone has WhatsApp. Because I don't have a local number. Because the phone broke. This is chaotic. And the store, because of quarantine, has been closed for months. So we can't fix the phone until the guy opens the shop again. It's a used phone. And that's what this guy does is just he fix up, fixes up used phones all day long. That's chaotic. I don't have a phone number locally. That's chaotic. Or bank account. Also chaotic, but it's the law. When I have my permanent residency, I can have a bank account here. So I'm waiting for this, this woman to show up and at 4:38 she picks up the groceries from the other guy, 
and says she's on her way. She'll be here soon. That's at 438. I'm like, awesome. I can't wait to meet you. That's great. You know, let me know when you're here so I can open up the gate and you could drive into the little gated community I live in. Okay, great. I'll let you know. An hour later, she's not here. I'm like, did she get lost? An hour after that, she's not here. What the hell? Another hour, she's still not here. What the actual hell? And she starts sending me these stressed out, almost rude, kind of borderline obnoxious notes. Like, um, I'm your shopper. This is my name and I'm on my way to you, but I've had a route. I have a lot of work to do. And I'm thinking, dude, the quarantine, the, 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 we're under, we're still under quarantine. We're in isolation. And what does that mean? But you're supposed to be not on the road at seven o'clock at night. And this is at seven 30. She's saying she's still on her way. She'd not get here till nine 15 because her tire popped while randomly driving and she had to change it herself because no one could be there for her to drive the car or to fix the car and then she showed up she went home after she fixed it herself and had her mom or her sister drive her over with all of her stuff which now all of our meat all of our milk all of our cheese is now warm so what the hell I think I just lost $60 with the groceries that's freaking chaos and then, you know, you look at all the other stuff going around the world. I don't know about you guys, but this is what my week has been like. This is what my last three weeks have been like. Absolute shite. <laughs> I still don't have my own internet. It's been three and a half weeks. <laughs> I signed I signed a contract with the government of Ecuador to get an internet three and a half weeks ago. It's like, what the hell? Where's my internet? Anyway, so that's that's what's been going on. Anyway, it's just absolutely nuts. It's crazy chaos. So if you're going, oh, oh, and, and randomly, my body started detoxing. I've had several hours sitting on the toilet going, what the hell? You would think that I would have been on some crazy diet of, you know, a special kind of, you know, fruit. <laughs> to treat constipation or something. Because I've, it, I've been having absolute gut-wrenching, literally, problems. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? I'm not sick, don't have a fever, don't have a parasite. I didn't eat anything that would make me in this situation. And yet, here we go. And I've been looking at people um, that are also spiritual like we are. And on Instagram and YouTube, and they're saying the same thing. They're having massive detoxing where they're like suddenly having diarrhea for hours out of nowhere it's chaos and we're detoxing everything our whole society human race as a whole we're detoxing racist attitudes and violence violent attitudes we're defunding the police in several cities now 57 police officers quit because they did not want to go against people because of the color of their skin. The world is in absolute turmoil and chaos right now. So anyway, I just wanted to have a little weird discussion about this chaotic thing because 
if you're noticing it in your life, like, what the hell? I can't get what I want. I can't do what I want. Why is my car not working? Why is the car not working? Is the bank car not working? Why is my life not working? Why can't I move in? Why didn't the check get there in the mail? All these weird freaking... Why is the water suddenly randomly not working? The neighbor's water wasn't working either. It's not just me singled out. It's everyone. Everyone is going through shit. I wanted to bring it up because, you know, we have to be patient through it all and recognize it's just that all of our illusions about this world being real and solid and good and everything working the way it should, all of our illusions are being shattered, freaking shattered right now. It's a good thing. It doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It just feels like a bad thing right now. But it's a good thing because it's going to help us bust out of our former thinking from 3D dimension to the fifth dimension as we ascend. We're going to go up, up, up. And we're going to be like, ah, right now we're cool. Now we're cool. Crazy information coming out. Like, this alien said that, and that alien said that. People are saying that Michael Ashtar is, of Sher- Michael Sherhan of Ashtar Command is evil, or that he's part of the cabal, and they're trying to take over humanity, and they're here to serve themselves and take over us. And I'm like, you know, I've heard several people, including myself, that channel him not once if it, we ever gotten a negative or evil anything, and suddenly there's people speaking out against that. I wonder if they're not the cabal themselves. (laughs) Like, people are saying that the Andromedans have no emotional connection to anything. They don't have emotions, and they're jealous of us. That was another person came out. I'm like, what? None of that is real. That's not real at all. I lived with the Andromedans. You guys go back to my Andromedan episodes. I lived with them 20 years. Actually, now I'm probably 40 or 50 years. And they brought me back like a couple hours after they took me. But I lived on their planet for their kind of time in a different dimension. Man, I've lived there decades and sweet, loving, heartwarming, amazing people. Everything is in chaos. Everybody's confused. (laughs) It's just, it's nuts. So I want you guys to take a deep breath. Don't ever, ever again say, I can't breathe, even if you're a protester, to say something else. Because that is a very negative energy to say. As an asthmatic, that actually, those words haunt me in many different ways. So, be careful what you say. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you do. Take a deep breath and step back when things start to be really freaking chaotic around you. Keep your sense of humor. Keep your wits about you. Keep your discernment always at the forefront of your mind. And know that all will be well in the end. After the chaos becomes order once again. It's going to be a new order that we create. Fifth dimension. So that's it. I'll be back tomorrow, guys, with all unique and original programming. Just like always. But for now, I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until next time, guys, peace and no more chaos.
Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.